Welcome to Collier's Talks, a podcast series featuring the latest trends, insights, research, and developments in commercial real estate in Canada and beyond. Hi, I'm Nick Aguineros, Executive Managing Director of Supply Chain Consulting for Collier's Canada. In this logistics disruption series for Collier's Talks Industrial, we speak with industry leaders to explore topics that are impacting the supply chain sector. We will dive into the major trends and shifts that are keeping supply chain managers awake at night as they try to plot a course to get ahead of what's next. Today, we're going to talk about material handling, and we've got Rob Agramovich joining us. Rob is the Senior Account Manager at Mainway Handling in Toronto. He's been active in manufacturing, warehousing, and material handling for several decades with a focus on technology as a driver to improve safety, efficiency, and profitability within the supply chain. Always putting his customers' needs first, Rob has been a valuable asset to many businesses in Canada and the United States because of his ability to deploy technologies that are ready for prime time and suggesting products that have immediate and lasting effects. With a deep understanding of the market, Rob is able to create evolutionary changes representing sustainable growth and profitability. Thank you, Rob, for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me on. This is kind of exciting. It is. It is. So, so material handling, obviously, is a very broad category. Uh, from conveyors to robots. Why is it such a hot topic today? Well, I mean, the size of um, of industrial space has gotten a little out of hand. Uh, you know, when I drive up and down the four 400 series highways, I see a lot of, you know, 50 plus dock door facilities. And so with that much, that much space to take away some of the vertical travel and the, uh, sorry, the horizontal travel in the uh, the building is is generally a very good idea. Um, you know, uh, as uh, human beings, we're very good at fine, finite tasks and uh, covering large distances in a short period of time really is not our forte. So we hop on, um, you know, uh, forklifts and move things around. Uh, some manufacturing uh, um, outlets are, are using tuggers to move material around because the distance is so great. So whether it's uh, conveying technology or forklift, you know, basically moving people and things around the warehouse has gotten to have a lot more mileage in it than it used to be. You know, you know the pendulum swings both ways, and I think it may be swinging back at this point. But uh, boy, some of those uh, new builds are extremely large buildings. You know, it's it's, it's not unusual to hear about uh, a new um, building that's going up that's somewhere between two hundred and fifty thousand square feet and a million and a half square feet. So, um, you know, that's that's really what drives it. I mean, you have to do the same sort of business, whether it's picking and packing, whether it's um, manufacturing, but now the buildings are so much bigger, it's even more important to cut down that travel time. Okay, so, so with all those changes and, and changing building sizes and the changing operational scopes, what's new in material handling? What are some of the changes you've seen in the last two to three years? So uh, I see a, a, a large uh, KPI change in picking and packing. Um, you know, it used to be if you're hitting 100, 120 lines per, per hour per person, you were doing okay. Most companies are, are targeting 175 to 200. Um, and then with uh, better systems, you can drive that into the 300 and 400 K, um, uh, um, 
picks per hour kind of range. So that's really a, a big one. The other one is uh, cobots versus robots. We used to have uh, robotic weld cells and, you know, these things were fenced off and, and you, you had to have a double lockout procedure. And I mean, it was really a lot. Now you've got, um, you know, robotics working right beside uh, human beings interacting with them um, and a very collaborative process. Um, the other uh, thing that I've seen as a change, a general change over the last 10 years is uh, people requiring safer, quieter, smaller carbon footprint uh, equipment. So, um, you know, just even the sound of some equipment is too loud uh, to be next to um, regular people without earplugs. So, uh, you know, that's that's a real uh, a real big push. Um, certainly our battery technology has gotten better. Our vision systems have gotten better. And so all this equipment costs less money and it's being used more broadly. Okay. Just, just look, look at the average car, the average car with uh, all of the different vision systems in it. Um, you know, now that they're, that stuff is ubiquitous, it gets less expensive and it drives down the cost. The other um, recent change that I see is uh, densification. Um, you know, people taking the same space and doing more with it. So whether that means very narrow aisle or pushback, um, just basically cramming more stuff into a smaller space is, is a really uh, big push in the last 10 years. Okay. Um, the other one that's kind of a, a micro thing is that e-commerce pivot that wholesalers are having to do. So if you're in the warehousing business, you've noticed in the last, um, you know, COVID period that you're your each picking has uh, dramatically increased if you had any of it before um, and you're doing less case picking. So, so you end up with, um, with a pretty substantial pivot and that, you know, obviously causes lots of problems because it, it costs you more to pick each's than pick cases. Yeah, definitely. The efficiency has gone from the supply chain when you move from you know, one unit of a thousand boxes to a thousand units of a single box. Right. Oh, just, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's a very, very big, big thing. Now, if, if you're talking about, you know, hand sanitizer, people are buying that by the case. So that's, <laughs> you know, small, small miracles, right? Uh, other, toilet paper. <laughs> exactly. It takes up a lot of space. So cases, you know, in each yeah. anyways. And I guess with, um, with all those impacts of the, the unit picks, I've heard you talk about the benefits you've seen with new end effectors and the robotic oh, yeah. platform. We're well beyond conveyors and simple robotics now, obviously. How has sure. technology changed those the actual capabilities of the systems? Well, now that um, end effectors can be able to be put onto robots and robots can now travel inside the warehouse because they have better vision systems, um, you're actually getting down to the, to the entirety of the pick Whereas before it was a goods to person uh, principle where you tried to load the, the product as close to the picker as possible. And so the operator didn't have to move as much. Now you can have the entire pick being done by um, a, a robot. And so that system, that whole market opens up in a very, very large way. Um, it reduces errors um, with, with the ability for the end effector to both see what's in the bin and pick what it needs out of the bin. You can even get densification because you can have five, six, seven different SKUs inside of a bin now. Before, one bin, one SKU, that's it. Um, and now, because you've got a, a vision system that can pick out, uh, can identify what it needs out of that bin, 
you know, you can you can further densify for slower moving skews, which is a real, real pickup. Okay. The other part of that that's very exciting is robots as a service. There are a lot of companies out there that will do uh, robotics as, as a service. So you don't even have to have, you know, big upfront cost. If you have a certain KPI, you know, you have to meet a certain um, performance standard. If the robots as a service is not providing that, a lot of them will, will build in performance um, riders uh, into the contract. You know, for sure, you're going to have to sign a two or three year contract, but if they're not performing, out the door they go. Very simple. So the robots as a service, as a lever to get people into this uh, into this uh, efficiency realm, um, sort of breaks that barrier. It's really kind of exciting. Yeah, it speaks to the broader business trend of of uh, asset light. Um, right. You know, organizations in the supply chain and uh, moving those out and, and creating specialized service providers. Yeah. So as it, as it pertains to real estate, what I think it may lead to, and I don't have any data to back this up, but if you think about the human beings, we used to be nomads. We used to wander from one land to another, depending on where the resources were. So if you imagine now you um, are a wholesaler uh, or a 3PL and you had a whole bunch of robots. So you're not bolting these down to the ground. You can pick them up and move them to wherever you want. You can right size. So so I see the possibility of um, more nomadic activity uh, from a real estate perspective. You know, if you need to be closer to your customer, if you need to be in a smaller space, if it's easier to deploy um, uh, a solution based on the size of the, the space that's available at that time, you know, robots as a service. Wow, that's <laughs> that's a that's a really powerful thing, right? Yeah. How about in different environments? How does something like cold storage or different environments affect the design and the solution for material handling? And yeah, so um, as well? I, I would say that's not really ready for prime time yet. The robots aren't robust enough to, to be able to handle that. Um, as you know, from battery technology, uh, putting your batteries in the freezer is a wives tale. Um, batteries in a freezer don't do very well. So uh, most of the stuff is uh, is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, um, but you know um, that that that's just a, an extra extra step that we just have to get over the hurdle of. There are different um, um, uh, technologies uh, that can drive that to change. You could actually have a floor uh, that's charged. Um, so near field charging is a reality for most of cell phones. So yeah. you could basically do the same thing and have the floor charged. If you had the forethought to build it that way, you could, and, you know, and, and you needed to do it that way, then you could. Um, but the other way to do it is not to have it and have it actually bolted on. So you've got um, automatic storage and retrieval systems that are comfortably working in freezer technologies right now. And that's where um, densification really helps because the cold storage issue is uh, cost of electricity. Um, the larger volume that you have to keep cold, the, the more expensive it is. So if you can have it much smaller, you're way ahead of the system. So you've got companies uh, like in London, uh, Dr. Edgar has this uh, frozen pizza plant where they make you know, frozen pizzas and they have uh, mobile pallet racking. So basically almost 100% of the floor is taken up by, um, by pallet racking and the pallet racking actually shifts to open up an aisle from which to pick or put. So densification is a really big issue in that area. Um, small little things um, like uh, HVAC are, are important. 
uh, humidity control is important um, and obviously galvanized steel. So you've got like the shapers and the metal systems of the world that do galvanized steel racking all day, any day, every day anyways. Um, so little things like that are important in the design, but you certainly have to consider, you know, what, what that environment is going to be. Otherwise, you might be in trouble. <laughs> it's interesting you mentioned that Dr. Oker uh, plant uh, and the, their warehouse operation is the automation yeah. has also uh, lended itself to a different fire suppression strategy. Yes. Uh, and that's a whole different conversation that we'll get into. But uh, yeah. it's interesting how things, the pieces are really starting to come together now. Um, and create a, uh, a, a different solution for the world. Um, in, the, in the temperature control space, the other aspect I've seen in my previous lives is uh, it's actually about the transition. So we, we have the, if you wear glasses, when you move from a, a cooler or cold air and into warm air, uh, the condensation and the sensors are still struggling to be able to handle that transition. Um, yeah. so we'll, Still lots of areas to work on, uh, but it sounds like there, there definitely is a lot of focus uh, just because the opportunity is, uh, is so large in that. You know, um, when you talk about the, the cold chain technology, there's a whole part of that um, uh, business uh, that I would call fresh chain, right? So you have a lot of um, companies getting into this space, uh, the HelloFreshes and the chef plates of the world. Um, and one of the things that I saw that I really liked um, uh, from uh, a company that does packaging is uh, they have a, um, um, a package that the sides of the package, the six sides are um, a phase change material. So basically the whole package itself on the outside is a cold pack. So they freeze that, they, they load up the, um, the product on the inside and then it can it has like 15 to, to 18 hours of stabilizing the temperature inside uh, the closed container. So now you don't really need to be picking um, uh, and, and, and holding the, the material in a cold space. They have a thousand cold spaces already, you know, waiting to be uh, dispersed. So, so now as you're delivering it, you don't have to limit the driver to, you know, five, five containers, you could load them up for, with a day of, and, and do, do proper, um, uh, drop-offs. So sometimes, sometimes it's the packaging that really helps, uh, that bridges the gap. And this is an expensive technology. I mean, we've had phase change materials forever. Um, you know, every single gel pack, uh, that's, that's phase change. That's, you know, let's face it. It's, it's pretty simple stuff. Um, it's inexpensive to manufacture and, uh, uh, extremely reusable, and it, it lowers the carbon footprint, footprint, which we we absolutely love. Interesting. So let's go back to the robotics area. There's one area I wanted to ask you about, and, and that's safety. Um, yeah. What sort of advancements have been there been in building health and safety into the operation when you come into these types of material handling solutions? Well, that's one of the biggest shifts. I mean, from, from robots to cobots. Um, robots uh, basically didn't have any sensors. They had to be locked out. They had to be behind uh, fences because if you got in the way, you'd get hurt uh, really badly. Um, and now cobots uh, have sensors built into them so they can sense uh, around them. They can feel um, if there's any extra resistance um, and machine, uh, machine learning and, and artificial intelligence helps with this um, because the system's built in with sensors that that have had have done that thing, whatever it's doing, 
a thousand times before. And so if it's now using up a little bit more energy, it's sensitive enough to know that something is going on that's wrong. Mm -hmm. um, plus, you also have exceptionally good vision systems. Um, with the advent of our cars and other uh, pieces of equipment needing LIDAR uh, and other forms of um, you know, radar on, on, on them, uh, plus with the advent of uh, self-driving vehicles, um, the software that pairs with all of this is exceptionally smart. I saw some, some great logic that was done by Alphabet, the Google company, that actually shows how the car can see uh, different um, amounts of water on the, on the ground and decide whether or not, based on, on the reflectivity and, and the, um, the angle of the, of, of the ground, if it's a puddle, that's something dangerous, or if it's just a normal puddle, so it, it'll actually change the velocity of, of the vehicle based on how bad the puddle is supposed to be. So it doesn't hydroplane. So it doesn't hit a really big bump. And so there's not, and it interacts with stop signs and uh, merges and other cars all the same time. So this technology is actually getting much less expensive. It's being used in a much, much more liberally uh, applied way. And, and that's why it's much, much uh, much safer um, because the the cost of doing it is, is is far less. So it's all collaborative. It's it's that's the way it's moving. That's the way it has to go. The only downside is that sometimes when you do a collaborative ro robot, you have to slow down the speed of the robot. Which I mean, you know, there's a there's always some kind of trade off, and that that would be the trade off at that point. You can't go blistering fast speeds um, and uh, also interject uh, people in the in the mix. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. So stepping back and, and everything you've talked about, um, what would you say are your top three big impacts that advances in material handling will have on the supply chain and, and more specifically on industrial real estate sectors? As it pertains to industrial real estate, um, I'd say uh, densification is, is one of the biggest ones. Um, we're looking at uh, space as three-dimensional instead of two-dimensional. So, you know, you're employing things like very narrow aisle, uh, automatic uh, storage and retrieval uh, systems. You're looking at high bay racking, pushback racking, mobile racking. Um, and so the height of the building is of paramount importance because the equipment can get higher and higher. Um, and, you know, it's square footage, right? If you have 75,000 square feet at 17 feet high versus 35 feet high, you can fit twice as much stuff. So, um, so that height is, um, is happening. IOT is also a really uh, big um, driver of this as more and more um, systems are uh, automated. The need for technology and technology transfer at a very quick rate, putting aside the Zoom calls, I mean, you need to have a really strong backbone. Um, so it's bandwidth that's really important and where you are, where you're located can drive that, that number. Um, you may be uh, going to an area that's limited bandwidth, right? So, so location, 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 so important. Um, but also cybersecurity is also a, a very big issue with, with, with um, all of your equipment being online. And I'll reference something that I saw in the news, but it's actually one of, one of our customers. Um, uh, Loomis uh, had a cybersecurity attack um, on it, and it actually shut their system down for two and a half days. Now, two and a half days to you and me may not sound like a lot, but their intake 
their intake every day of new parcels. And <laughs> it's, it's a really big deal. We just uh, did a, a nice big uh, job in Calgary for them and uh, to shut that system down and to run it kind of manually, that is, that is not a lot of fun. That is pain and suffering. So, I mean, they located where they were because they knew that they could get uh, good bandwidth. Um, and so that's a really big real estate piece. Um, uh, but also location, uh, the bus stops and transit and roadways. It's about how close are you to the backbone? How close are you to the fiber? That's right. You, you, have, to, you have to be there. It's so it's critical. It's it's super critical because a lot of the systems are lifetime management systems. So if you're buying a conveyor system, a sortation system, uh, robots as a service, all of these things are linked up um, uh, digitally. So a manager gets an email when something goes wrong. Um, a technician gets a, gets a, a text when something is uh, using up too much uh, energy or the friction rate is so high. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these things are, are built in with some preve preventative maintenance. And so that backbone, boy, that is a really big deal. Yeah. Um, and I guess the last one I would say is my question mark. It's not so much as a, this is happening, but I think that you know buildings are gonna swing back and, and become a little bit smaller. And um, the ability for um, a tenant to be more nomadic increases with um, how, how unbolted all of these systems really are. And even, even conveyor systems today, they're designed to, um, to, to be uh, unbolted and rebolted in different places. They're designed to be redeployed or added to, or, or I mean, even the cards, they all talk to one another. You know, when, when we have a system down because a forklift ran through one of our network cards, when we order another network card, we plug it in and the other 14 network cards talk to the first one. You don't even have to program it. So it's like, it's, it just, it just self uh, learns and it just makes it a little bit more uh, simple to make the decision to, to say, Hey, we're done with this building. Uh, we're going to be moving to a different building. So I'm, I, I see that as a, as, as, as an important um, thing as, as you move forward. Now, blockchain is one of those really big things. I'll ask you the question. Is real estate really being affected by blockchain? I mean, I could see it being affected by blockchain, you know, purchasing decisions, um, decisions on, on how to control your own um, assets. I mean, is that, is that affecting things? I think blockchain will have a uh, have an impact on the uh, in the commercial real estate space. It'll it'll create um, transactional visibility and trust um, throughout the chain. So it's it's a single valuable asset, um, and then you've got a lot of visibility that blockchain creates and, and a lot of trust in the system because it's it's a it's a distributed uh, ledger essentially. So everyone who's been involved with it or in the market is essentially. A, a verification of that asset. Um, sure. So there, there's probably implications along that. Uh, sure, but that that's definitely a, a big conversation, and then there are many uh, great minds working on on that application. Because it, it certainly is a, a really big boon to um, to the supply chain. Um, one of the things that COVID has taught us is that we need to really consider how um, sure our supply chain is. And blockchain definitely helps that. You know, Walmart opens their books and says, hey, we're throwing everything on there. I mean, I know why they did it. They wanted a lower price to retail. And so if they can teach 
um, one of their vendors uh, from the smarts and intelligence of one of their other vendors, then it just drives down their price. So, so to me, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. But I, I also see huge value in just being able to control your own um, properties. If you have blockchain, then you can understand, you know, what's happening on a global sort of um, uh, global sort of reach of of your organization. Very true. Very true. Rob, this has been a very insightful and, and uh, interesting conversation. We, we, we jumped around a little bit, but we definitely explored some of the many facets of that material handling space. So thank you for uh, joining me today. It's been my pleasure. And thank you for sharing your insights. I, uh, I want to thank everyone else, uh, our audience, for listening in. Um, tune in to our next episode where we continue to explore other hot topics in supply chain and industrial real estate. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Collier's Talks podcast. To learn more about Collier's Canada, our experts, and our solutions, visit colliers.canada.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook.